Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. be single or to be married? What has God called you to? What situation do you find yourself in? You're not going to be a better Christian by being single. You're not going to be a better Christian by being married. You're going to be the best Christian you can be to be in the situation and the place and the relationship that God has planned and designed for you the way that God has created you. In today's message, Pastor David explains Paul's teaching on marriage and singleness found in 1 Corinthians. According to Paul, there are physical and spiritual advantages and disadvantages for both marriage and being single. What matters most is an eternal perspective that looks beyond this world and is transformed by God. What is the greatest way you can honor and serve God to the best of your ability within the circumstances you find yourself in today? Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, To Marry or Not to Marry. Verse 29, but this I say, brother, what? Time is short. Time is short that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Now, don't go off weird on that, okay? You don't live like you're a single guy now that you're married. And hey, Paul said I can live like I don't have a wife. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, man, your heart and passion still needs to be for the things of God. And your focus still needs to be for the things of God. And yes, you need to be ready to say, honey, we need to pray because I believe that God is telling me for us to quit my job here and move or to take our vacation this year, and instead of going to see Yosemite, maybe we'll go to East Texas and work uh, at the flood times and just serve on the mission field for the summer. We've got to be ready. We want to be willing to do that. He says, live as though you have none. That doesn't mean to live like a single guy. That means to, again, live in that way that God is going to allow you to, again, go forward and serve him in a multitude of ways. He says, verse 30, those who weep as those 
who do not weep, those who rejoice as those who do not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. But Paul, again, is just trying to say, man, don't don't be so consumed by the temporary, uh, observable, physical things of this world that, again, we get so consumed about it. I can't serve the Lord because this is happening over here. I can't be obedient to what God is calling me to be because this is what's going on right here. Beloved, there's going to be trouble everywhere you turn. There's going to be roadblocks in every step of the way. I guarantee you that. My wife and I, this past weekend, this past week, I think, yeah, it's continued on even today. We've gotten no less than, I think, about five either phone calls, emails, or messages of stuff that's going on with people within this body. And we're talking severe, severe attacks of the enemy against people within this body. And we're thinking, man, Lord. And then all of a sudden, we have one ourselves. We get a, our own little physical attack, and we, we kind of reel back, and we rock back on our feet or our heels, too, in the midst of these things. And we, we, we just got to take time to get a, a breath and get back and know, Lord, you've got this. We know that you've got this. Does that stop us? Does that keep us from moving forward in the Lord? Does that slow us down from trusting him? Oh, I, I hope not. I hope never that it does. Does that keep us from, again, desiring to see God work in people's lives through the midst of it? You know, too many times people will say, man, it, it's getting too hard to serve the Lord. Man, I've got this attack and that attack going. And so they back down. And you know what happens when you back down? You give the enemy a victory. You give the enemy points. Man, he scored in that one. But you know what? When the attack of the enemy comes and we keep moving forward, man, we may be moving forward and we may be bleeding on one side, we may be broken and scarred on the other side, but if we keep moving forward, then it's Christ who gets the victory in the midst of that and it's Christ who strengthens us through all of that. He says, man, are you weeping right now? Just, man, keep moving forward like you're not weeping. Those who rejoice is those who do not rejoice. Don't, don't get so excited about the things in the world that you're not willing to take a, a stretch and, and, and put things on the line for the Lord. Uh, those who buy is those who do not possess. Don't get so filled with the things of consuming of this world that you're not willing to be wholly and completely consumed by the Lord Jesus. Those who use this world is not misusing it. God has blessed us. I look around in this world, and I've got these screensavers on my computers, both at home and here, and it's just the beauty of creation and just the things that I see. And it's encouraging to me sometimes. And if you walk into my office and I'm staring at my screen, I'm meditating and praying, okay? (laughs) Just to look and see the beauty of all that God has given us to enjoy. But you know what? It's all going to burn. It's all temporary. As someone shared the other day, and as beautiful as some of the places in the world are today, can you imagine how beautiful they were before the flood? 
Yeah, before, you know, sin came in, before, you know, man messed things up. God has given us the world to enjoy. He's given us our senses to enjoy. God has given us our physical desires as a man and a woman to, to enjoy. He's given us the taste, the, the sight, the, the hearing, the touch, the smells, all of these things to enjoy. Don't misuse those things as the world does. Don't allow the enemy to take, again, what God has intended for good to twist those things around to be perverted. Don't take the blessing that we have as this world that we're living in and suddenly misuse it to the point that, man, we're so involved and we're so attached here that we're not looking for the next one, that we're not anticipating and looking forward to that next one. I think it was Vic that was sharing with me just a little while ago that he was talking with a much younger guy and he started talking about, man, he's looking forward to death. And the guy's like, well, that's kind of weird. That's kind of a dark. And he said, no, as a Christian, I know that there's, there's more ahead and there's more ahead. This, this is not the end. Don't hold on to it for the form of this world is passing away, gang. It's passing away. And I say that on two senses. Number one, for those that get so attached to the things of this world that they're not looking forward And some that are so overwhelmed by this world that they can't lift up their eyes and look forward. Don't be so overcome and overwhelmed by this world. Because, gang, it's going to be passing away. He says in verse 32, But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried, getting back to the single and married thing, He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. Now again, understand what he's saying. He knows that as a married individual, you can still care about the things of the Lord. But he's also very practical with the understanding to know that a single person has a much greater freedom as I said, just to pack up and and do whatever than a married individual does. Now, when you are married together with one, again, who is, is, is desiring of the things of the Lord, whose focus is on the things of the Lord, then, man, that's a great strength and that's a great encouragement. He says, but to be unmarried and just care for the things of the Lord. And if you can do that without being overcome by the physical passions and desires that are within you, then man, that's a great thing. Because if you're married, you you understand you are taking care. You're responsible also for that spouse. And that's whether husband or wife. For both, you're responsible for that spouse. Then he gives these kind of final concessions here. In verse 36, But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his betrothed one, his fiancée, if she is past the flower of youth, in other words, you guys have been engaged a long time. When are you ever going to get married? Or maybe they just came in later life to be engaged. If she's past the flower of youth, and thus it must be. Let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. In other words, when he says, let him do as he wishes, he says, it's okay to be married. 
He doesn't say, well, just go ahead and live whatever way you want. Understand, that's not where he's going. He says, it's okay to be married. It's fine to be married. You're, You're not sinning. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, in other words, the physical urges aren't so overwhelming within their life, the need for companionship isn't so overbearing within their life, but they have power over his own will and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. In other words, they've determined not to ever get married. We're engaged, but we're never going to marry. You know, in our culture, that sounds so strange and peculiar. But in that culture, it wasn't that different. Now, he could give her a writ of divorce if he wanted to. But even in that, it's just not a good thing. In essence, what he's saying, I'm going to take care of her, but we're not going to join together. I'm not going to be so responsible for her that throughout the day and, and every day of the week and the night and all, you know, it's not a full marriage situation. Again, the care, the concern is there, but it's not a marriage situation. So then, again, to keep his virgin, we're not getting married. You're going to st- we're going to both stay single. He does well. And then verse 38, so then he who gives her in marriage does well. But he who does not give her in marriage does better. Very confusing the way it is worded. But let's get back to what he is saying here. Some have said, well, that's speaking about the father and the daughter. I don't believe it is. I don't believe it's talking about the father and daughter at all. I believe it again. I Now, if I am engaged, I have a legal responsibility for this young girl. And what he is saying is, if I marry her, if I give her in marriage, that idea of marrying her myself, I do well. But if I don't take her in marriage, I do better. Again, Paul's idea, Paul's thought of staying single. He doesn't say that you should not marry or you, uh, because it would be sin, no. He says, again, just the freedom to be able to serve the Lord. And again, you understand, Paul says this at the very beginning. Hey, this, this is me. This is my understanding. This isn't of the Lord. This is just me. And Paul is a single guy saying, hey, it works better this way for me. A wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives. Now, again, even engaged I am engaged to her. She is bound to me, even though we have not made the consummation of the marriage complete yet, but we are engaged. She is bound to me for as long as I live. But if I die, she's at liberty then to go and be married to whomever she wishes. If their husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Is she a believing gal? Don't don't marry just somebody. Marry somebody in the Lord. Find find another believer to marry. You're engaged to a believer. Don't now that he's dead, don't go find a non-believer. Marry within the Lord. But she is happier if she remains single as she is. According to my judgment, Paul says anyway. But I think I also have the Spirit of God. I love how he writes that. He just says, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think she ought to just stay single. That's my opinion. But, you know, I've got the spirit of the God too, so I think it's a pretty good idea. 
To be single or to be married? What has God called you to? What situation do you find yourself in? You're not going to be a better Christian by being single. You're not going to be a better Christian by being married. You're going to be the best Christian you can be to be in the situation and the place and the relationship that God has planned and designed for you, the way that God has created you. Kind of some final closings on this whole seventh chapter here. The principles that he's bringing out here is that sex within the covenant of marriage guards against sexual immorality and infidelity and the overpowering of the flesh above the spirit. Marriage is sacred to God. God blessed marriage. God calls men and women into marriage. It is sacred to God. Marriage is a great blessing. Amen? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Okay, Didn't know how much marriage counseling we're going to be doing next week. <laughs> marriage is a blessing. Amen. Yeah, but all right. He's, he's scoring extra points there, yes. <laughs> but pastor, what happens if I'm married to a non-believer? You know what? Your marriage can still be a blessing. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know the way my wife is or the way my husband is. You're right, I don't. But you know what? Allow God to work in that. We've seen God do some miraculous stuff here, even within this fellowship in the years that we've been here. Again, situations you would think, girl, you got every right in the world to divorce him and and to leave. And yet, why don't you wait and listen and see what God might do? We've seen God work some awesome stuff out. Is that the case for every situation? No, we know it's not but we have seen it happen. The other thing we know is that children of believers are holy to God. They are covered under God's covenant promises. Does that make them saved because mom and dad are saved? No, but they have a lot greater chance to be saved if mom and dad are saved than they would if, again, mom and dad aren't, or if only dad is and mom isn't, or only mom is or dad isn't. Just a much greater chance for them to be saved when mom and dad, there is a covering over the home. So how do we put that within our lives? Married couples, you need to have a healthy sex life and a correct one, not according to what this world says, but according to the desires of your mate, your spouse, that again, don't use that as a tool against each other or a weapon against each other, but let it be healthy and right the way that God designed it to be. Sometimes, the second thing is, sometimes though, marriage is inadvisable. Again, barring certain things, we should, again, Enjoy our singleness if you're single, but enjoy your marriage if you're married. Again, allow God to work and move within your life where you're at today. Now, you might say, hey, I'm single, but I don't want to stay single. Then you just keep seeking the Lord to bring that individual into your life. Or, Lord, I'm still single. Is this really where you want me to stay? 
What do, I, what do I need to surrender to you to really hear your voice? For you and I as believers, and I'll close with this. Even in our marriage relationships or our singleness of person, we have to keep an eternal perspective. We can't be so consumed by the styles, the mores, the pull of this world system that suddenly we start becoming conformed to the image of this world rather than continually be being transformed to the very image of Christ. That's in every aspect of our life. If you're single, Lord, how do I live my life fully to your glory as a single woman or as a single man, as a young single person, or as an older single person. Lord, in the midst of the freedom that you've given me as a single person, what is it that you would have me to do to honor you in the greatest possible way that I can at this point in time? You may have me get married next year or five years or ten years, but Lord, right now I'm single. How can I serve you the best and most completely? If you're married... My hope and the desire is that you're married to a believing spouse. And so I'll start there, okay? Man and woman, both serving, desiring to serve the Lord and growing in the Lord. Maybe the wife is deeper in the things of the Lord than the husband. Maybe the husband is deeper and more committed than the wife. But you both have a heart for the things of the Lord. Man, pray together. Seek the Lord together. When issues come up in your lives, come together. Man, maybe for a while, hey, you know what? It's just still too hot. It's too raw. There's too many issues. I I need a break away from him or for her for a moment or two until, again, uh, the temperature comes down, the, the situation cools down. My beloved, don't let the things and the attacks of the enemy, the conflicts even within the home, keep you away from each other and your purpose together and your desire to follow and to seek after the things of God in your life. It's a wedge that the enemy can drive within you to drive you apart mentally, physically, and spiritually to where you will not be all that God has called you and designed you and purposed you to be. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Don't allow him to keep that there. Keep your heart open. Now, for those that might have a non-believing spouse, how do I serve God wholly and completely? By being Christ in that home. By being the very spirit of righteousness within that home, by being the one within that home that, again, is the covering for that home, that you become the prayer warrior for that home, that you become the covering that that God has allowed you still to be in in that home. Because, beloved, we don't know what tomorrow is, amen? And we don't know how the single prayers of 
a mom or a wife or whomever it might be might change that home or a dad who's just determined, man, I'm going to serve God though, though hell breaks against this house every day. I'm going to continue. And you know what? I'm going to continue to serve God in my life and I'm going to continue to bless and serve my family in the way that God has called me to be. Where you're at, serving the Lord. To marry or not to marry? That's really not the question. The question is, Lord, how can I serve you where I'm at? Amen. That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.